You are listening to the Hingework Podcast, a conversation about creativity, joy, and authenticity from the overflow of true community. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome to the Hingework Podcast. Uh, once again, I am Gabe McMullen. Kent Mass is with us. Kent Mass. He's eating lunch. We also have Mark Buckwalter. Hi. And our special guest, Larry, aka Fake Life Larry. Howdy. How are you today? Larry! I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Larry, your Instagram handle is Fake Life Larry. That is because you are the man behind the incredible company, Fake Life Clothing. What is Fake Life and why are you doing it? Yeah. Um, when you say I'm the man behind it, that's, that's not very fair to everybody else. It's kind of investing time into yeah. it. I, I founded it. Um, I kind of had the vision for it. And that's where my skill set kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of people throughout um, the 10 years yeah. that have been a part of it and to kind of help keep it going. Um, but to get to your question, Fake Life Clothing is an apparel brand that I started 10 years ago um, with the sole intention of creating a sustainable source of revenue to fund charity projects. Um, so how that has evolved, now when we sell a shirt, $5 from every shirt provides 20 meals to orphans living mm-hmm. in poverty. We are not a nonprofit. I didn't want to get into um, how, how would I say it, the paperwork and all that sure. stuff of the government telling me how to run a nonprofit and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It is a for-profit business and we just give our profit away. Okay. It's so much easier <laughs> yeah. for my tiny brain <laughs> to comprehend that and process that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's what we do. Um, we work with an organization that is a nonprofit. We work, this uh, organization is called Rice Bowls. Mm-hmm. They themselves have relationships with 50, 55 orphanages around the world, seven countries. Um, so what happens is they have supporters that support the people that work for Rice Bowls. So when I donate $5 to them or Fake Life donates $5 to them, that $5 goes right to mm-hmm. um funding the needs. Yeah. So they send money to the orphanage, then the orphanage then buys their food and all they need to provide the meals from their local businesses. Yeah. So when an American teen or adult buys a fake life shirt and we send that five bucks over, they're not only feeding orphans, mm-hmm. but they're also supporting economies around the orphanages, yeah. which is why um, I, I love the, the way rice bowls does it and that's why we chose them yeah you know several years ago to support that organization yeah awesome what i one of the things i love and i mean i don't want you to get into finances about it but you're super transparent like i've seen you post donations on instagram and like your instagram story be like all right this is how much i'm giving just for the sake of like hey guys this is real this isn't um a fake um company yeah i mean that's that's kind of the whole essence of fake life. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why I named it fake life. It's just the idea that um, we as humans kind of wear these masks to kind of protect ourselves Mm -hmm. and kind of show an unrealistic view of ourselves because we're scared to show who we really are. Um, And for me, it's the same way with the business of fake life. Like, I've been running Fake Life for 10 years. I haven't taken a penny from it. Like, it's a side hustle or a side gig. I have a regular job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I own a couple businesses. Fake Life, I do just to raise money for the charity. So I want people to know that 
you know, when they're buying a fake life shirt, if they care. Some people just buy it because they like the designs. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I'm still giving that money to yeah. charity, so I don't care mm -hmm. what their reason is, as long as we're selling stuff and providing, yeah. um, you know, a source of income for rice bowls. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm just, that's just who I am. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't mind telling somebody, yeah, like, fake life is really in a bad spot right now. Mm -hmm. We need to sell some stuff. Or I just, I feel it's like there's so much, I don't know, I hate to use the word fake again, but there's so much fakeness yeah. going on right now that it's, it's kind of refreshing to see people being honest with their struggles because everybody struggles. Yeah, it's everybody true. Everybody has problems or things that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, again, that's kind of what one of the reasons I started Fake Life is and named it Fake Life is that, you know, we kind of share that brokenness, that hurt, mm -hmm. those struggles with each other. We're going to help somebody through that process. Mm -hmm. so. I was just really uh, encouraged by your heart uh, for young entrepreneurs, obviously for feeding orphans and for the reality of, you know, having a day job. I'm going to be an auto auctioneer, but I'm not going to let that stop me from pursuing other dreams and launching businesses and doing mm -hmm. those things. And so uh, it's fun to watch that. I appreciate the way uh, the down to earth nature of fake life and the way that it impacts the world. So one of the things we've talked about before is wanting to encourage young creative entrepreneurs and actually really just the world in general about making a difference. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of that part of fake life and, and that part of the why behind? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was something like when you were saying that that just really r reminded me of. Uh, last year I was on a panel at a music conference with Kevin Kevin Lyman, the founder of Vans Warp Tour. Um, if you're familiar with that music scene, um, they do 50, 60 dates across the country. There's tons of bands that come out. This is their last year. Um, so it's kind of a, a bittersweet kind yeah. of thing. But anyhow, I was on this panel with him um, last year, and kind of the idea about it was um, charity. And so we really kind of got into answering questions um, you know from the young people there because most of the people attending this conference were from 16 to 25 26 years yeah. old just real young musicians trying to get out in the business and you know the kind of the question that kept coming up is like they just wanted to do big things yeah. and the, the, you know my response to them has been and that's kind of been my response to I'll get to it, your question. Yeah. My response to that for, you know, 20 years now has been, you know, just do something. Yeah. Um, I, we're just fed this idea that in order to do something good for someone else, it's got to be great. It's got to be grand. It's got to be um, this big, magnificent thing. But something as simple as, and I go back to fake life just because it's what I know yeah. right now, you know, something as simple as $5 providing 20 meals. Yeah. Like, $5 is the average cost of a Starbucks drink, yeah. but you're feeding a kid three meals a day yeah. for a week. Yeah. Like, that means a massive amount yeah. to that kid. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that I, I kept repeating, and I, and I still do when you know, people message me and I'm talking to people, is, you know, just small things mean a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, you get outside of the head of American culture where everything is big and grand and this big garish um, examples of trying to do things. Yeah. But that's not 
how the rest of the world functions. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's it. Really, is like just start with doing something. Yeah. It doesn't matter how big you get in the practice of giving two dollars a week to something. Right. It's going to make a difference mm-hmm. somewhere in someone's life. Yeah. You know, you do your research into where you're giving your money, um, that kind of thing, or or time. It doesn't have to be money. It can mm-hmm. be time, um, but. You just start doing it, get in that habit, and that habit grows larger, potentially. Or it stays the same size, but the little things can have a big impact on somebody's life. And it's just, you know, just living in America, we don't get to see kind of the the smallness or, you know, how how small things can affect people in big ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we just we just think it has to be big and grand and gross and obnoxious and right, you know, and then tell everybody about it. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is interesting because I think what you're saying is absolutely accurate in terms of inspiring and encouraging all of us to look just just get connected somewhere and start doing something. But I think it applies creatively too because um, we watch creative entrepreneurs get discouraged all the time because their vision's not big enough. And I find myself talking to young people all the time. We're like, well, I can't do this or I'd love to do this. I'd love to do this. And I'm like, I think you're actually already doing what you want to do. It's just not making you $100,000 a year yet. <laughs> like you, know, you just got to keep going. That's a huge thing that I've seen um, you know, in the last 20 years in this small part of the music scene. Yeah. Um, that I grew up in and, and am still somewhat a part of is like this, I don't know, like there's so many of these creatives are being fed this, um, well, if you want to do something, you got to make sure you get paid and make sure you get paid what you're worth and make sure it's yeah. huge and it's this and that. And it's like, um, I, you know, I have the same conversation with bands. Yeah. Um, and it's the same conversation I would have with an artist or a creative or someone that's writing is you start out with the pa- practice of creating because that's what you were made to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You create. You write a song and you sing it to yourself yeah. until someone hears you singing it and they bring someone else along. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's three people listening to it. Yeah. Then all of a sudden there's ten people. Yeah. Like you don't create to get paid. Now I'm not even I'm not talking about yeah. I'm just I'm not talking about work and yeah. jobs and stuff, but just the mindset of creatives is you create because that's what's inside of you and it needs to come out. So you create, you paint, you write, you write music. And then if you want to share it, maybe you'll be fortunate enough for there to be an audience. Mm-hmm. There. Yeah. But that creativity has to come out somewhere. Yeah. Um, and if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you then can start judging yeah. money for what you do and using yeah. that, um, that I think that's even more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and when and when you get to that position when you're making money you're not gonna make a lot right away nothing happens nothing huge happens overnight no. at all ever so no. yeah it sounds like what you're talking about really is like faithfulness faithfulness with everything but in the perceived little things just a faithfulness to show up do your best work hard and like this mindset of like I love what I'm going to be doing um, and that mattering more than I need to see 
results and uh, like paychecks or like money first. It's just that heart shift of like. Yeah, I mean that's what it is for me. But yeah. I mean I'm an old guy and I came up in like going back to the music scene because that's my has been my point of reference. You know, I mean we started playing music in a like we started writing songs in a basement because it's what we wanted to do or because we couldn't go out and skate because it was raining or for whatever mm -hmm. reason we just picked up instruments and started doing it and like then more people found out we were playing in a band and wanted us to play a show and like but it was just what we did there was no motivation other than the joy of creating mm -hmm. um, and I think that's so lost um, on people today mm -hmm. yeah so how did you get into um, you know fake life so I'm guessing you started more in like music and the music scene and how did we like arrive to fake life or the model that you kind of have um it just by chance i mean really i mean that's how anything has ever happened with me i got i started fake life um like i said 10 years ago um we had been giving our our kids money to donate um to different kind of charities and stuff just to get them in the habit of that. And there was an organization that we were supporting called Kiva. Um, what they do is they fund microloans for people in developing countries. The idea behind it is if you donate $20, mm -hmm. um, they fulfill a loan, the borrowers repay the loan, mm -hmm. then you have that $20 to go and donate or give to someone else or loan yeah. to someone else. And I just, you know, I just sat there and it just struck me like, okay, so instead of, just to pull a number out, instead of giving $100 to this, what if I could create a sustainable source to give $100 every week or every mm -hmm. month, or that kind of thing? And you know, outside of the auction business, which, I mean, Mark kind of brought that up, that's just been kind of a means to an end for me. It's not my passion. Um, but as a, as, a, as a young lad, um, I was in a band. And, you know, within in the band, you know, we were playing, booking shows. I started booking shows for other bands. Um, I was running, you know, merchandise for our band. Um, we had a small record label. So all of this stuff kind of um, just came back to my brain, you know, when I was like, well, what can I do to create a sustainable source of revenue? And I was like, well, I know t-shirts, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, and the, the basic principle of you buy a blank, print a shirt, sell it for, for a profit, give that profit away, you have that initial investment to print another shirt. Mm -hmm. um, it's very idealistic because <laughs> it's a lot more difficult than that. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just basically where it came out of those um, kind of those DIY punk rock roots, you know, have just, you know, those seeds that were planted, you know, all those years ago, were like we're still there and they're still there and kind of how I view life and, you know, stuff. It's like Mark had said about me being a, an auctioneer, you know, that has always been uh, any, uh, a means to an end to allow me to do all this other fun stuff that I love to do. Yeah. Um, so that's how I came up with that. It's just, I didn't 
I, I didn't know what else to do. I was like, mm-hmm. I'll print a shirt and sell it. It'll be easy. <laughs> yeah. And well, <laughs> it's ten years later. Ten years later, and a lot of headaches and struggles, mm-hmm. and trying to figure everything out. But that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And we're kind of jumping all over the place here, um, or at least I am. But sorry, it's my brain. <laughs> no, I lo- it's, we're hitting on so many of the things that I love about you and why I love um, that you and Allison and your family are here at Hingework. Um, and you mentioned um, training your children to, to give and raising them up with that. Um, one of the things I love observing about your life is your passion for your family and for fathering. Um, so what I want to ask you is what – so what um, – Talk to us about some of your favorite parts of being a dad. Uh, I mean, not to be sappy or cliche, but it's just being a dad. Um, and at this point, you know, my, my kids are older now, but the the relationship that I have with both of them um, means a tremendous amount to me. I grew up, my dad was in the auction business. My dad was on the road 200 days a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it was, my parents weren't divorced, but my dad wasn't around a whole lot, Um, which I understand, like, he was doing what he knew how to do. Like, that's all he knew how. That's how his family was. That's how he came up. So that's what he did. Um, He was trying to do the best that he could for our family, and I get that. Um, having grown up in that, I didn't want that to be my legacy yeah. for my family. So I, I was very intentional that, you know, when we got married, that, that was not going to be how I did things. Yeah. Um, so Allison and I were just very intentional from the beginning, you know, I mean, going through the struggles of parenthood, fatherhood <laughs> and, and everything else. And, you know, for me being the father of two daughters, um, you know, both equally as stubborn as I am. <laughs> tenacious. You know, a, How about we say tenacious? Tenacious, fine, whatever. It's stubborn. Uh, I think he's allowed to define his own yeah, children, right? You're, I guess so. I was trying to cover him. Yeah, I don't need that help. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, but seeing my, you know, my relationship with them now, um, you know, as 17 and, and 20-year-olds, yeah. like... It means the world to me to have yeah. two daughters that still want to, now one's out of the house, but that still want to spend as much time with me yeah. as they do yeah. is everything to yeah. me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's something, uh, thank you for sharing that, Larry. I think uh, it's fun to watch you guys. It's fun to hear stories of, you know, you guys obviously invested a lot of time um, traveled quite a bit together as you were talking i was thinking when i lived in north carolina and managed a restaurant i remember there was um we had two employees who were sisters they were just incredible employees worked really hard they were both in college and i remember talking to um their dad one time and saying like man your daughters are really incredible like they come in here they work hard they don't complain they have great attitudes all the time like what's the deal and he was a real estate agent and he was like you know in um, in real estate, the thing is always it's it's just it's just three things: location, location, location. And people ask me from time to time about parenting, and I'm like, it's the same thing, and it's time, time, time. And it's just uh, hard to make that choice um, 
hard. It's been a challenge over time for a lot of people to make that choice to invest that time. But it's something that I've seen you and Allison do, and it's fun to watch you know, the fruit of that um, come out. Obviously, Heather and I had the privilege of um, officiating Larry's oldest daughter's wedding last year, so we got to spend a lot of time um, with them preparing for that and, and traveling to Palm Springs together for that wedding. But it was it was really a joy to be there for one of those mile markers in a, in a dad's life and watch his daughter get married. So um, how did that work practically as you're, you know, as you're working and doing all your um, dreaming and creating and, and all these things, how did that practically play out to choose to invest that time uh, when, when your kids were younger? Can you? Yeah, it's not difficult. You just do it. If I want my family to be special and my relationships to be special, I just do it. Yeah. I don't say, oh, I got to go golf with the guy. I mean, I don't golf, but I don't. I got to go golf with the guys this weekend or whatever else. No, you just do it. Yeah. Like, and that's you set your intention. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I invested a lot of time and energy into a career that now provides me the opportunity yeah. to be able to say, I'm not doing these things. Yeah. I'm spending mm -hmm. the time with my family. Yeah. Um, but even when I had no money yeah. and you know I had a one-year-old or a two-year-old, I still made family priority. Yeah. It's not like, just shut up and quit making excuses. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Nobody cares. What do you want to do? What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. And you guys are continuing to get... Um, an up close seat to why I love Larry. Um, Kent, I, I wanted to bounce it to you. Was there anything you were thinking of as you were listening to Larry? When you specifically said like about having a one-year-old or a two-year-old and no money, and you're like, well, I just need to spend time with them and prioritize them. I was reminded of many, uh, yeah, winter days for me where I literally have nothing to do. Um, and the temptation and pull there and I guess even some summer days, but winter comes to mind pretty quick of like, I should be doing something <laughs> to try to like provide. Um, but I've had some really sweet memories with my one or two year old or my wife. And we've yeah. done some cool things in our backyard or played in the snow or just like um, build memories together that and like taking some iPhone photos or whatever and go back and look at that and go, remember that time when he was that small? Remember that time he was just learning to walk? Remember that time that we got to sit around and just look out the window and watch it snow and like build memories together as a family? So yeah, those are the things that kind of stir in me as I think about that, you know, prioritizing um, family over like, like just providing for the family. Like, you know, my my father kind of had a background that sounds just kind of push, 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 um, right, providing, yeah. providing, providing. And, um, yeah, actually just yesterday, my wife said to me, I'm so glad that you don't have that like plow, plow, plow mindset, yeah. um, which I definitely still struggle with. So to yeah. hear her say like that, I don't have that was like refreshing. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, good. I, maybe I, maybe it's not as bad as I think sometimes, but yeah, just to like, keep prioritizing kids and to see the fruit of that. Is yeah. Really and awesome. it's not just, it's not just your kids. I mean, yeah. right there, your wife is a prime example yeah. of what you investing in what you thought was your kid at the time yeah. is, was investing in a relationship yeah. with your wife. Cause yeah. now your wife is watching you go, wow, he really cares that much about yeah. our family. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's only going to make your relationship 
stronger with your wife by you paying it, you know, thinking that you're just focusing on spending, being more intentional with your son. Yeah. But it's affecting your whole family. Yeah. And then your relationship 10 years from now with your wife, your kids are going to be like, wow, man, I want that kind of relationship. And it's because of the investment that you made when you were broke and had nothing to do. Yeah. And we're (laughs) spending the time with your family. Yeah. You know, that's great. Good stuff. Thank you, Kent. Gabe, you want to weigh in? Yeah, what do you do if you're broke and don't have a family? (laughs) Well, if you're Gabe McMullen, you find cheap plane tickets and book a flight. I said broke. That hasn't stopped you before. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things that, like, my my family, as far as my, my dad and uncles and grandfather, they came from just a, like, I don't know, my dad and uncles, like, they all left high school at 16, Mm. you know, to work. Um, You know, my grandfather was sending them in uh, horse trucks to drive to Kentucky at 15 and 16 years old to pick up horses to come back for an auction Mm. and this kind of stuff. Um, So one of the things that I I will say that I have taken away from watching my dad and uncles and, and all this kind of stuff is like and it's it's naive but it's worked for me like it, to get to your mm. answer Gabe um, like there's money out there yeah you just got to figure out how yeah. to to go and earn it mm-hmm. um, and it's not necessarily going and getting a full-time job it's mm-hmm. not you know there's money out there you get mm-hmm. it you yeah. go buy a, a, a ticket somewhere I love your heart for the emerging generation, both to encourage and inspire creativity, generosity, et cetera, but also to say, like, hey, so don't be afraid to mm-hmm. get out and bust your butt and work a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another part of it. Another thing I kind of wanted to bring up, we've all kind of done photography professionally, and you have been uh, a film photographer for how many years? You've been... Well, I mean, I, I bought a film camera when I was you know, 16 and mm-hmm. kind of messed around with yeah. it and then dropped just, I've kind of dabbled in. Was that a, like a black and white camera? When were you that age? Was it, was there? No, it was, it was, film? it was, a, it was a big old, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put yourself like under a yeah, yeah, yeah. blanket. <laughs> yeah. I was taking photographs onto glass. <laughs> oh, those are great. Glass. I love it. Tin plate or? Like, like, for those of you who don't know, Larry yeah. and I are the same age, so I'm, I'm allowed to say wow. this. <laughs> Whose beard is better? Mine. His is definitely more um, solid one color. Can we get back to me, please? Yeah, sorry. We're talking about your yeah. We're talking about your beard. Emerging generation to give. Um, Let's have you. Talk yeah, I've kind of been you. in and out of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say photography because I'm so amateur at it, but I've <laughs> been in and out of taking mm-hmm. pictures for a long time now, and then just the last couple of years, I've just kind of been like, you know what? This is something I really enjoy. I want to, yeah. you know, kind of dive into it more. So. Um, I had been, I got back into it with shooting digital Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, man, there's, there's just something that I'm missing from shooting on film. And then I just started buying a bunch of film cameras and (laughs) shooting on a bunch of different film Mm -hmm. cameras and stuff. So good. Yeah. Larry's, um, for those of you who don't follow Larry on Instagram, I recommend following him. Um, Mm -hmm. really fun to watch him put his, um, camera to use, uh, Larry and I share a number of 
values and passions in life, but one of them is, it's funny, we're in Palm Springs and I like to get up early. When I'm on vacation, I, I get up at sunrise and I go out and I photograph. And so I'm like walking through Palm Springs and no one else is up, the whole city's asleep. And I look up and of course there's Larry. Um, walking down the street. On my way back. Yes. I was, oh. I was up that early that I was yes. on my way back. Now, he did have a daughter getting married, so he was processing through some things, so he may have been up before the song. No. Just looking for a smoothie, please. Yeah. <laughs> a simple mind, simple brain. I just take pictures of things I like. Mm -hmm. I don't, like, I've never, <clears throat> I've never been trained formally in any kind of art thing. Yeah. Um, Probably because I'm I, I I can't draw I can't paint like mm -hmm. any of that stuff. So photography is a format for me yeah. that I was able to yeah. to to learn a little bit um, and kind of create things that I like through that. Like walk us through like um, your morning routine or what you love to do if you're vacationing with your family. Uh, I, I'm a morning person yeah. as well. I mean I didn't used to be <clears throat> excuse me um, but just with you know my job. It's, you know, I got to be up early to get on the road. I mean, I travel, you know, five, six hundred miles a week, yeah. um, you know, and it's always early in the morning. So, like, that's just my routine now. Yeah. Um, and I love getting up early when I'm on vacation. Um, and I don't even want to say vacation because we do, like, a lot of little weekend trips sure. to, to mm -hmm. New York yeah. and Philly and different places and stuff. But when traveling, I guess it all would be a good I, – I love getting up early and getting out, um, there's just like a quiet and peace that I yeah. love, especially in cities. Yeah. Like that contrast, like I'm, I'm big on that kind of like the, the, the push and pull of life and that, yeah. that, that contrast and struggle and stuff. So I love to get out early um, and just see the city, you know, when it's quiet. Like you know what's going to happen in three hours. Yeah. And the nonsense and the madness and the rushing and the crazy and stuff. Um, but to see a city, you know, at six or seven o'clock in the morning, I just, I really enjoy that, um, I don't know, that duality, yeah. mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that I try to capture 70% of the time when I'm taking mm -hmm. photos. I guess what's fake life, like, been up to, or what's some of the journey been lately? Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> the journey with fake life is just, has been, over the last four years, just a constant battle, I guess, would, <laughs> would be the best way um, for me to characterize it. Um, just to kind of give a little history, um, if you want to start a business and you want to live off of that business, don't start an apparel brand. <laughs> Especially in a music scene. Having said that, um, I was smart enough several years ago, several years ago, to start um, creating a. Um, I don't know what the word is. I used to use um, creating a side income for fake life. So we actually do some screen printing and stuff for mm -hmm. churches and businesses and stuff. And it's that business that helps keep fake life running. Mm -hmm. If fake life was to run off of its own sales at all times, mm -hmm. um, trying to run a business, it just wouldn't work. I mean, you've got hundreds of dollars of bills every month and that's mm -hmm. before you sell a shirt. Yeah. Um, so that was, <clears throat> excuse me, a smart thing 
that I did. Now getting to your answer, you know, the struggle with fake life is constantly keeping people engaged and being interested in hmm. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so like that's all fake life has been for the last two or three years is just a constant struggle to um, keep people engaged um, and finding that balance of like being just more static on Instagram, on Facebook, mm -hmm. of just another brand trying to get something from you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not who we are. It's like you said about story. I mean, that's kind of what Fake Life wants to try and do. We want to try and create a better story for people. Yeah. Um, but that's what we have to sell is a better story. You know. So anyhow, it's just been... Yeah. Uh, fake Life has just been an up hill battle for mm -hmm. two or three years. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, again, you know, I set ourselves up that if we don't sell a shirt, we can stay in business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how sustainable that is mentally, I have no idea. Because yeah, yeah. I know you've shared with me, like, that it has been a battle. Like, just, like, little bits and pieces that I've heard, like, to continue forward. Yeah. Um, but we were just talking, which is interesting about how every good story needs tension and that's never good to feel, but it is cool to see you pressing into that. And pressing yeah. Forward. It's, you know, again, it just goes back to that. Like I'm just stubborn and like, I don't know any different. Like I've got no business training. Yeah. Um, I've got, you know, I got kicked out of college. You know, I just know like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I'm going to find a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. It's funny. You guys asked me to, to do this podcast. I'm, I'm working with, um, one of uh, my friends, Ricky, on starting a podcast mm -hmm. with Fake Life. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went out and bought equipment and stuff because I want to try it. Yeah. You know, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least I can say I tried to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. I tried to run an apparel company. I tried to raise money for something um, instead of being that guy. And no offense to that guy, but instead of being that guy that I'm like, okay, I'm going out golfing this weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't care. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I just have no interest in, in, in being that guy. And there's lots of people that are that. I don't care. No offense to you. Um, Love that. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. And I what, don't know any different. And what comes to my mind, too, is that you're not um, just trying to sell a product as much as you're trying to. And I don't even really want to use the word sell. I'm trying to think what to use. But, like, you're trying to sell, ultimately, like, hope, like, for other people, right? I mean, they're, yeah. you're trying to sell T-shirts, but it's not just unto selling T-shirts and breaking even. Like, of course, as a business, there are some things there you are trying to accomplish. But, ultimately, your heart is for um, other people. Like, you're trying to serve whole communities, and you're partnering with other organizations that know how to do that. You've done your research, and you're... Um, really heartfelt and intentional about getting that, you know, hope for, for other people that otherwise might not have that. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for recognizing that. I mean, that's kind of been what I've always done with fake life and looked at fake life has been, you know, like if this was supposed to be a functioning, properly functioning business and, you know, you set your goals and this and that. Well, I've got too many goals with <laughs> fake life. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, I want to sell cool shirts. Uh, I love the idea of the design process and that's yeah. all fun to me. I can't design anything to save my life, but I like being involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the raising money to, to feed orphans, but also like, um, you know, what fake life does to people that 
are invested, like consumers, I'll use that word, I don't like that word, but you know, like our followers, our consumers and stuff, like mm-hmm. in, in seeing some of the slogans and stuff that we have on the shirts and offering, you know, kind of like some hope or encouragement to people that just follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Um, or, or band guys that come up to me and are like, dude, I love what you're doing. Like, thank you for mm. how you helped us out or whatever. Like, so like, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do or not to do. I just do it. Yeah. Well, actually, <clears throat> I think it was that shirt. Yeah. Right. What does that say? Yeah. So let's hustle more more hard. So that came to my mind when you were talking. It's funny that you're wearing it. That came to my mind as um, something I wanted to, yeah, touch on when you were talking about different like lines on shirts or designs. Uh, What immediately came to mind is what Mark is wearing. Less hustle, more heart. Which is interesting because you are, you are hustling, but there's heart too. It's not just this like. I'm hustle, 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 trying to like get all this stuff for my good, but we're trying to lend right. our hearts to a bigger story. Yeah, and so so many of this like like that design, um, or I, I should say the phrasing of that came just for me. It's being cynical. Hmm. Like I just get tired of seeing my Instagram blowing up with people being like, yeah, just hustle, man. Here's how you hustle. I can help you hustle. Do this mm-hmm. hustle. I like, yeah. So I was just like, yeah, how about, you know, let's hustle more heart. And so that's where like yeah. a lot of the kind of ideas for shirts come mm-hmm. from. It's just my cynicism. Well, <laughs> I love it. I mean, and I like it because when I wear the shirt, I get asked about it all the time, but it's just kind of like, it's, it's like Larry, like it's, you're not wondering really what does that mean like it kind of is right in your face <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is what I appreciate appreciate about you Larry and about your shirts um, and so for me it actually I was on a photo shoot recently and we had a ton of stuff to capture and it really wasn't um, we were we were working with a shot list kinda but it was basically like Mark go and get incredible moments that are going to communicate our brand. And so I can get into like freaking out internally in my head and just like flying all over the place. And I literally look down at my shirt and I'm like, no, this is not about me running 900 miles an hour right now. This is about me getting in tune with my heart and finding the life that's here and photographing that because that's going to be what communicates. So I don't actually have to like kill myself to make this happen. I need to be intentional, but I really need to get in touch with my heart. So I think, you know, that's, that those messages come through loud and clear, uh, you know, with fake life, and I, I hope they um, continue to to do that. I know you, I, I saw Larry showed me one of the shirts that's coming out uh, shortly yesterday, and um, you know that's going to be another home run message. So we'll the other T-shirt that I need to mention is, it, and I think it says uh, "Worry is a thief of mm-hmm. joy." Yes, right. Just so, worry is a thief. Worry is a thief. My wife wears that shirt, and it's just. Again, it's one of those things, it's just a loud message of just truth that kind of stops you in your tracks and makes you think. So I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because it does, it definitely makes um, an impact. Mm. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where can we follow you again? I think we had said it, but just, yeah. Um, you did not. I've been okay. waiting. Fair enough. I no, said I fake life Larry at the very beginning of the podcast. You did. Fair enough. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> me on Instagram is at fake life Larry. And Fake Life Clothing is at Fake Life Clothing on mm-hmm. Instagram. And that's 
basically yeah. the best and yeah. place to follow us. You also have a storefront? Oh, you did bring that up. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, yeah, we, um, we have a bunch of product in downtown Lancaster at CI Records. Um, we also want to hear about, and maybe the details aren't out there yet, but you guys are going to be launching a podcast in the near future. Where can we look for that? You roll that out at, on Fake Life. We can get the details on this. Yeah, just follow on. Fake Life Clothing. Um, it's it's going to be kind of its own standalone thing, yeah. hopefully. Um, it's going to be called the Fake Life Files. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be apparel-based, but it's kind of going to be loosely based on all of my ideas and things that I want to convey with Fake Life Clothing. Um, you know, having been in and around this music scene for 10 years, you know, we've met a lot of, you know, fantastic, you know, musicians and just, you know, all kinds of creative people that are doing cool things. Um, so we just want it to be a place where um, we can highlight some of these stories, share yeah. these stories from people that are doing cool stuff, success stories, failure stories, yeah. um, but all, you know, again, just coming back to that, wanting to um, encourage people to be who they were made to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to give it a shot. But yeah, you follow um, Fake Life Clothing on Instagram. I'm not going to start a separate accounts and stuff for that like yeah. um it's going to be you know it's going to be posted on our website and um we'll be promoting it through yeah. fake life clothing um and the store downtown is at ci records at 226 north prince street mm -hmm. um you can find all of our stuff in there mm -hmm. big shout out to ci i've been a uh, big supporter and friend of fake life for 10 years now so they've been very generous mm -hmm. and allowing us to have stuff on consignment down there for the mm -hmm. last two years now. So thank you. Great job doing that, Larry. Thanks for the... Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Hingework Podcast. Hingework is a creative co-working space in the heart of downtown Lancaster, PA. Find out more at www.hingework.com.